and welcome to another of our special episodes on the TCT podcast entitled Facets of the Diamond, where we take a glimpse at one of the infinite aspects of the beauty of Christ. These meditations coming from Hebrews chapter 1 are in the first four verses coming from the vantage point of the human author, of course, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we have already seen six aspects of Christ's glory in the first three verses. We have seen in verse one that he is the definitive revelation spokesperson of God. He is also the inheritor, the heir of all things. Number three, the maker of all things or the one through whom the Father made all things. Number four, he is the one who radiates or is the radiance of the glory of God. Number five, the exact representation of the nature of God. And in our last episode, number six, we saw that he is the one who upholds all things by his spoken word. The seventh aspect of the glory of Christ that we see in this passage comes from the end of verse three. And it's really a parenthetical note leading to the point of verse 4, which is largely the point of the entire book of Hebrews, that is that Jesus is our high priest who has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. But before we get to that point, verse 3 ends with the seventh aspect of the glory of Christ revealed in this opening paragraph, and that is when he had made purification of sins. The New American Standard puts it that way when he had made purification of sins. The most important word in the opening paragraph is two letters long. It's the personal pronoun, he. When he made purification of sins. It tells us about a person and it tells us about the work he accomplished. Packed into that little phrase, we are looking at the one who is the greatest possible revelation of God, verse 1. The one who is the rightful heir of all that exists. The one who brilliantly outshines the effulgence of God's full character because he, verse 3, inwardly possesses all of the nature of God and as verse 3 says he speaks and commands all creation to exist and be sustained so as you look at him in these particular ways then our jaw should drop like the Queen of Sheba before Solomon we should be breathless as we realize he is the one who made purification for sins That word purification is the word from which we get our idea of catharize or purify or cleanse. He's the one who went into the inside, as it were, of sin and purifies us from the inside out. He did not work as a distant observer to spray us with a potion of purification. No, he injected his own purity into the contamination of our depravity and with his own blood and righteousness he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Many have said that the good news of the gospel is astonishingly good but it's not only good because of what we're saved from 
the just desert of our sin, the penalty of our sin, the consequences of our sin. No, Jesus didn't die only to make us morally neutral, to take away our sin, but rather to make us positively righteous, that glorious doctrine of double imputation that Jesus the Lord has taken our sin upon himself and through faith and repentance upon true conversion and justification, he credits to us all of his own righteousness in the gospel, that we are buried in Christ, that we are made one with him, so united to Christ that the Father sees the purity of the Son when he looks upon all who have hidden from the wrath of God in him. He made purification of sins. He became a curse for us so that we might forever be clean before God. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, and God condemned sin in the flesh so that we might be called the righteousness of God in him spotless pure, blameless before our God. Oh, praise the Lamb who with his own blood has made us clean.